everybody, welcome to the newest episode of Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. Uh, I am fortunate enough to be in Portland today with a very special guest, or guests, plural. We have three here, but I think one is going to hide in the corner. Right, Jonathan? Jonathan will be hiding in the corner, lurking in the shadows, drinking his coffee. But um, I am here with uh, Fergus Henderson and Trevor, and we are going to talk about 25 years of St. John and the effect that the restaurant has had, I think, on the public and the world as a whole. So welcome, guys. Thank you for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to uh, sit here and shoot the shit and kind of have some fun. We're looking forward to shooting the shit. Are you really? Yeah. I don't believe you. Yes. I'm looking forward to our lunch straight after. You're going to have lunch straight after. Life is lunch. 25 years of lunch cannot be denied. 25 years of lunch. So when you think about... 25 years and the span of not only chefs that have gone through your system uh, at the restaurant, you have long-standing employees that have stayed with you for many, many years. I mean, Jonathan's one perfect example of somebody who stayed with you for, what do you want? 13. 13 years. But you have so many people who you've influenced throughout the globe, people who come to you to learn, people who admire the beauty of the technique, um, that simple is best. I mean, it's not something that you set out to do, right? You set out to make great food, make people smile, but you weren't in your mind saying, well, in 25 years, we're going to go and oh, celebrate. I see. I see. <laughs> this, you I know. see what you mean. No, I mean, I was just saying, folks, these ideas and went, you know, and they were pretty fair when we first met, really, when he was cooking about the French house in Soho. Already there was a way that he wanted to approach things. And that's, we, we will use the word common sense quite a lot today, I guess. Um, but that was in Fergus's mind. So it was the way he was already cooking. So, and as you said, I think I can freely say that he is very, very influential, has been. And he's very useful getting a taxi late at night. <laughs> he's like, are you Chef Anderson? Yeah, can I have a taxi, please? <laughs> <laughs> you know, has its uses. So, yeah, you, you, were, you, you knew the direction we didn't know the direction. We didn't know about 25 years, but we, then we didn't. But we did want something that had a sense of permanence, because, like, referencing the great brothers of, of Paris, they were beginning to fail. They were beginning to fail, and if, if they were, they were not the same. And a good restaurant is something that's a pleasure to go back to. So, and life is quite temporal, it seems these days. And um, but we always we wanted it to be um, a place that was there and had a history, pattern, a, a sense of itself, and people would enjoy it. And more especially that we would enjoy it too, so. Well, I think that's a really important part. You're saying something that not only you wanted the public to enjoy, but for you to enjoy to go yeah. to every day. Not only being for work, but as a place to enjoy when you're not there, like you wanted to go on your day off. Yeah, I mean, we, after the summer, when we come back and that's the first grouse of the year, and We've been somewhere that you can't get a decent bottle of burgundy, perhaps. It's lovely to be home. You know, so <laughs> it is. Fergus, talk about the menu and how it works and, and well, our common sense. Um, yes, common sense is a slightly dull word, but um, it's, it is, it, it's common sense. 
which, uh, um, if you're gonna, you'd say if you knock, if you, if you, when you knock the animal on the head, it would be common right. sense to, yes. um, you know, and well, in a way, we if when we, we want everyone to butcher, everyone comes and we expect them to learn, and we, when they leave, we're, you know, we're delighted, and we can if we can help them. There's no this. Um, they will often ask if they get approached, and they say, "Oh, maybe not that, but maybe we should do this." And if you think you're ready, then maybe we can help you. So it's a, with a good grace. And if somebody comes into work in the kitchen, maybe just for a stage, or somebody just their restaurant hasn't opened, and we go, "Okay, come work with us for a bit." Um, we show them everything, and it's only fair and reasonable to conduct your way like that. And for us, butchery, I'm just teeing off Fergus for, to speak again, but if you've butchered the animal, your relationship with the animal when it goes across the pass to the customer is completely different to if it comes in a plastic bag and it's a cutlet. So for us, that's to us seems like common sense too. And it's an easy tenet to understand, wouldn't you say, Fergus? Yes. Um... Sit down with this. Focus is struggling with the technology. But, uh, <laughs> yes. It's all work. It's working great. It's your honor. I can hear you perfectly. That's good. That's good. Um, yes, it's so heavy dippy um, poached uh, butchery. Uh, get the carcass in. So you know how long, how old the beast is, and how long it's hung for. Um, and uh, then when you, the chef butchers it, you've got to be in a sort of relationship with the carcass. And then Sellers comes in, cook it, and it's happiness of butchered butchering way is uh, is uh, um, ah yes the the, the the food by the eater with the happiness so it's a bit of hippie dippy but um Seems to work. There's restaurant full of people who are all sort of eating, and it's uh, yeah. And that uh, people ask about the twice changing menu. For us, it's a natural way of working. And we run out of things. Yeah. There's only so many yeah. parts on a on a yeah. Yeah. Yes. When was the last yeah. time you saw a centipede of, of uh, pork chops running down the street? Right? It doesn't work. <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't exist. Hang on one second. I'm going to make them shut off the music. Where'd they go? I'll be right back. So Chris will be right back. He's now gone off to um, um, turn off the music, as you can hear in the background. We should. We should. Um, well, I don't know. This is live, isn't it? Well, okay. We better not have that conversation. Chris has left the room, so we're we're obviously misbehaving now. Um, good. The weirdness of, of doing this live is that yeah. now we have music in here and I don't want it. It's not good because I can't. Okay. There's somebody's probably going to charge me for the music because it's some fancy. 
artist. I think that idea of taking the animal from point A to point C, being the customer, A being the farmer, B being the restaurant as the middle, and C being a customer is a really powerful experience when it can go step by step because you have a relationship with your rancher, your farmer, and then the cooks have a relationship with the process of the meat. And when that happens, they're less apt to burn it. They're less apt to treat it poorly. They have a direct understanding of the hows, the whats, the whens, and the whys. And like you had mentioned earlier, common sense and it may seem hippy-dippy, but it's not hippy-dippy, it's just the right way to be. Well, it does, it's a bit more than that, because for chefs, to me, for chefs to find good kitchens to work in is difficult, and that's an international issue, I think. And of course, we welcome chefs, and we teach chefs. It's still gone. So, it's not, it's, it's, when everything is, is made easy, is compartmentalized, to find, for, a, for a chef to find a kitchen that we know uh, is a good kitchen to work in, that teaches you skills, is really quite difficult. You know, and we're not, we don't do shouty. That's not the way we conduct ourselves. Um, and you, um, it, as the world becomes retail and food becomes retail, and those great big farms in Brazil with, I bet I've mentioned the American company that does that, um, uh, our world is homogenized. So, teaching skills everything is it's like the hippie dippy but everything is joined up so the guys are learning skills it's a great kitchen they will tell people about that the customers enjoy it and it's like a spiral that goes up as opposed to modern life is a spiral of, of, of just chains and brands and return on investment whereas opposed to the, the real world is that a farmer trying to find someone that could do something with his produce it's no good being a wonderful farmer in the middle of nowhere if people can't afford to buy that meat and treat it properly and charge the price of desserts. So there is a, a whole thing that happens and we, in a way, this 25 years, we have shown that it's possible to do that. So there is something we have achieved, not just Fergus's uh, immense influence across the world, um, which is great and, and the world's a better place for that, um, is that um, we've shown it can work. We haven't gone to cutlets and we haven't done this, we haven't done that. And it's hard to start those those first five years were not the easiest, you know. Um, we quite enjoyed having lunch, but sometimes we're us and a couple of other people having lunch. But um, that kind of where we are now, as which is seen as a philosophy, was not as a philosophy when we started, but it was certainly something that developed over time. Isn't it, Fergus? I'm joking. Yeah, that's um, enough of me whittering. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I need the music shop. Meanwhile, we've got music issues. It's on. I need the music off. Right. This is definitely live. It's part of it. Well, this is. I mean, this is what's frustrating is when you. Yeah. Yeah. They. Technology works and then it doesn't work. Yeah, and there's always that something about restaurants. There's always this bloody soundtrack. We don't have music in our restaurants. I know, and that's yeah, actually so very interesting. And part. it's there droning on in the background. It's, um, yeah. No, we don't have music. There's, um, there's enough joy in the slurping of wine and 
squeak of a blazing knife. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, we don't have many, it's, uh, sort of kind of, kind of crutches in um, paintings on the wall, red velvet bunkheads, um, things that uh, have uh, crutches. So actually, what you're eating and how you enjoy, um, enjoy the, um, the sort of the Say, there's no art on the walls, no music. Um, but every tablecloth that tells a story at the end of lunch, yes. people have written on it, people have done this, you know, that's all, that's much better art. Well, yeah, I mean, you have you have the tablecloth and then you have the paper. Yeah. Right? How many people doodle on the paper? Quite a lot of them, you know. But then there's also your spill. Yeah. The wine, the yeah. wine rain, the yeah. coffee rain. Yeah. A uh, tableau almost of lunch or dinner. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and the noise of the, of the kitchen and, you know, doing, uh, now open kitchens are kind of obvious, but, but and are common, but not 25 years ago. And the truth is you'd have someone in between, like the chef Durang or this, and go, no, why, why can't the chef see the let the whole see you know, it's, it makes sense because everybody's engaged in the process. Oh dear, I'm on camera. You You're on camera. Okay. So, it, and then everyone's involved in the process and the rhythms of the room and the noise and the involvement and the music is the people. And now it seems so obvious, but there was a time when, in fact, with those bonquettes and everything else, um, you wouldn't see the chefs. And they were treated, and, and even, to, it seems a long time to a lot of people, if they're younger, I guess, but 25 years ago, uh, London was dominated by hotel chefs, which had a pecking order. Um, whilst we, we had lunch in the Ritz recently, we awarded ourselves a, a lunch, and a jolly good lunch it was too. But um, yeah, so now open kitchens are natural. And in the old days, you would, chefs would be outside, which is a little bit unfair, you know, seeing because you, you want to see the joy you bring, you bring to people. That was quite prosaic, wasn't it? That was like the, the poetry. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. So you practiced? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was, <laughs> he's been very well trained by the kitties. I have been told. Yes. We're living in fear. Of you know, one, one ricket. You think you're joking. <laughs> no, I think one of the things that's very interesting is, you know, the, the layout of both the restaurants. You know, you have bread and wine, and then you have the original location. And they're both very open. The walls are white, right? Very simple. Um, but it's really about the experience that you get when you walk in and the feel that the staff gives yeah. to the customer when they walk in the door. I mean, it's, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to spend enough time not only in the kitchen staging and working, but also dining there for many different occasions. And every time has been extremely special. There's been something that has stuck with me forever, whether it was game birds sitting at a table with John Relihan eating game birds or um, going for the first time and having kidneys with beetroot and horseradish. Like I can pick the dishes out, you know, I know them all. 
because they, they stick with me forever, you know? And it's, I think 25 years is huge. What you guys have done is massive. And I think you've inspired me. You've inspired many, many other chefs all over the globe. I mean, how many, I mean, you hear it all the time. I'm sure you do. And it, I don't, that maybe that feels weird. Maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but you've created a form of hospitality in the way that you work with not only your staff, but you work with your customers. And I think that's a very, very unique setup that you've created because people are extremely positive. Your staff is positive. The guests come in, there's, it's like, I'll use the US, the US crossover, it's like cheers. You have the regular guests that come in and everybody knows who they are and they're greeted with a smile and, oh, I know you like to have this for your drink and it, it starts. Well, for us, uh, regularly somebody comes once a year because they come for fashion week, British Dental Associate, I don't know. Where they first met, they, you know, they come and that's to get that and we hope that they look forward when Folks are looking at a travel plan. We're not looking at what the agenda is or the business thing. We're going, so where are we having lunch? And we're going to, we like to think that people will say, oh, I'm going to London, that means I can go to St. John. And when, as long as we don't disappoint, when they walk in, there's already a, a happiness because they're looking, as long as we don't disappoint. And when they- uh, It's always a worry of the uh, yeah. regulars when they suddenly don't come. Yes, right. think, well, what have we done wrong? But then usually they come back which is, uh, is yeah, sometimes they disappear and then, oh, they're back. Maybe they couldn't travel that particular time. Or, yeah, I, I think that's a, I mean, for you, both of you, there's so many moments, right? I'm sure you have pivotal moments where you can pick that were extremely important to each one of you through these 25 years, right? Is there is there some key moments that stand out for you more than others? Like, well, <laughs> we had, so Fergus is, is above the busy French house, and busy, and I was across the Waterloo Bridge at the fire station, because it was a fire station, and it was immensely busy. And there were times now, early years, when we'd look at our bar and go, hmm, that's empty. <laughs> and, and I know maybe five years in, you suddenly saw it, change and the area we were in with the only equivalent would be meatpacking in York for example look at what's happened in Chicago in Fulton etc and um, I guess there was a, a original people curious and came because it was going to come um, but there was literally nothing around us there was the market was on its on its uppers um, there'd been a fire in a, in a, in a dodgy cinema across the, the way um, and we used to have those, oh, those yellow street lamps they used to have. They're not that we don't have anymore, do they? We used to reckon they used to turn them down at night. About nine o'clock, it's really dark, and it was kind of a, it was an act of um, what's the word? We are resilient and um, rigorous, folks. I reckon rigor is important, and we're stubborn to a, to a some degree. Perverse, in a smiling way, right? yeah. perversely confident. Yeah, perversely confident. Yes. And. What I think has been a, a great thing is uh, the waiters in white jackets. It, um, it's 
it's, it's not demeaning which I hate. It's, um, it's, it's uh, being proud and a sentiment of joy. So it's, uh, yes, it's, um, and they, it's, it's, they're knowledgeable about the food, so, so, but, customers come in, the first thing we meet is um, a sense of joy and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, Yeah, that's that moment when you sit down in a restaurant that is confident, or comfortable in its own skin, you say, and then the bread's come down, this is coming, and you ah, now I'm okay. I can shut the door of the life outside of this restaurant. And what a restaurant does, apart from obviously the way that um, Fergus cooks, and then we run the, the kitchen, and what we think about ingredients, and, and, and how we go about our business, is that the restaurant itself is very important, and, and the rhythms of the restaurant. So. You love that moment you see someone that maybe comes the first time and they look at the menu and go, ooh, and then a central joy comes and has a conversation and they would, in that conversation, maybe change their mind two or three, four times and they know and then gradually we see that moment halfway through the meal and they go, ooh, this is really rather good and we go, excellent. And because it, in the early days it took a commitment to walk down that corridor, you know, it's like Christmas, they're walking down in the darkness and gloom <laughs> you have to go down this corridor and you can't see anybody. But you can, is there somebody in the, in the restaurant? And now, of course, it's busy, but it was, people had to make a commitment. And then that moment you can see when a young uh, guy, of course, his parents, because he's working in London now, you've got to go to this restaurant. And um, you can see them going, what has he done? Where has he brought us to, you know, hopefully two hours later, you did good, sir, you did good. So, um, and that's all that stuff, the little things that you build through the years, and those sentinels of joy, um, kind of, they're nurturing their, their little flock of customers. They're going to think, okay, yeah, and it's not, not intrusive, we leave the bottle on the table, you bought, you bought that bottle, you know, you can pour it yourself as much as you want. Um, and it, but everything, whilst it's simple, everything is considered. So nothing was done as a, an idea. Those pegs, which you see familiarly, are very handy for putting your coat on. And it sounds a bit daft, but in an old brasserie, you knew how it worked. So you, there used to be those coat, you know, the hat racks where you used to wear hats? That was your hat. And put your peg on and uh, put your coat on the peg, and you're already, you're not confronted. You, you've, oh, I know how this works. This is great. And there's the kitchen. So there's an idea that what we're doing is creating a comfortable and a, a happy environment. And it's like when you do go back, you just have a smile on your face. And we love them because we love customers. And then hopefully there's a bit of love comes back. And then that works for everyone. That's you know, sounds like a sermon. I'll stop now. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I think you, you, you're now making your own wines, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, for the restaurant. Um, you do catering. Yeah. Well, sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Oh, well, I suppose we do, yeah, in that sense. Yeah. Food and bed is not a word we use. We don't understand what that means. Well, I think it's... it's it, what have you seen from when the restaurant, like you said, it was a dark 
street, the lights would go down. Yeah. Now, what is the neighborhood like now? Like, how much has it changed? Well, you, you guys were the first on this block. There was a, a friend of ours had a, had a restaurant that um, he opened and then closed, and then it was just us. Um, now it's it's Clarkenwell. It's cool. You know, you've still got that all the way across into Hoxton and hips, the home of hipsterdom and all that stuff. That whole part of East London is, is transformed. You know, and of course, then you go, he wants to double our rent. And they just put our rates up. What have we done? <laughs> now we're a victim. We're a victim. But yes, yeah, that's what's interesting. It's fundamentally different. It's the dynamic has changed where you go into a neighborhood or most new restaurants go into a neighborhood that they can afford the rent. They love the space. The space transforms the neighborhood. Then that in turn comes back towards the restaurant and says, okay, thanks for making this neighborhood great and increasing all the property values. And now it's turned for you to... Uh... Yeah, unfortunately with, with Smithfield, it's kind of... For us, it's obvious how we would set out the configuration of the spaces, but it's not obvious to, because most people like a, an oblong or a rectangle and they can put that in and put in there. We don't understand the word concept, by the way, but put in their concept. Um, actually, already I'm talking about something that is like a like restaurant retail, which is not our world. So in a way, the building, when we both individually and together saw the building, um, it's a great building. So the building was a smokehouse, correct? Yeah. And, that's, and is that what helped make the decision to acquire it? Um, yes, in chimneys, five chimneys, covered in pork fat and smoke. And um, we had say, Victorian kids get up chimneys. Yes. Said they were chipping, chipping off. Like the old chimney sweep, said they get up the top of the chimney. We had to go just chiseling off the pork fat. Really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I thought it had um, smoked till 64. And um, it, the smell was extraordinarily still. It was, it was. Yeah, it was kind of carbon. It was carbon dated with pork fat. And it had been squatted. Um, it was a mess. Um, had raves in it, it was graffiti. It was quite almost not the nicest of places. Rubble, yes, rubble strewn floors and things. It was, uh, yeah, one look. Yeah. yeah, and it's of course it's full of light. So the towels are still there. They, they last smoked in 1967, and, and gradually it fallen into disrepair. And the whole area of the market was its own. And to this day, Smithfield Market is more of a distribution area rather than um, there is some market activity, but it's now now going to be part of a very big young development scheme, which was inevitable. So. Um, yeah, but, oh no, our rent's going to go up again. Our rent's going to go up again. What are you going to do? <laughs> Just like everybody else. No, back to the building. In fact, of course, the building is actually for, for many operators, it's really difficult because they want things to be easy. And of course, um, perverse is, as Craig said, our perverse confidence. Um, for us, it, it fits perfectly. It's just, um, everyone's happy, you can see how it works. And um, it's the building itself is interesting. 
doesn't need curtains or a carpet or art. You know, just needs the smell of good food and good bread. And again, it's like putting the bread down. That already means welcome, welcome to your table. You know, so it's also the napkin is a central thing. If you um, got a paper napkin, it's Because you can um, focus mind is, is, is working out the sentence. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It's if. Rather than having paper falling apart, or it's, it's, whereas writing on the top, the, the table slip, well, that's that's a different thing. Oh, yeah, that's that. where the root brothers in, and um, he, um, with a young lady, who we shouldn't be saying this, <laughs> started anyway, yeah. and, uh, and he wrote. Covers the table with um, words, the more, the more, the more. Um, uh, well, that's that was a more as in love, 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 all over the table. We should be telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, probably an intent is a good napkin, you know, but a paper napkin, forget it, it's not the same. And you'll take that napkin through through your lunch, you know, dab things, there's value and use. When it signifies a lunch well done, but giving something a paper napkin, no, it's wrong. And it'll just make the good things, like the, the, the quality of your produce. Can I just say we, a lot of vegetarian customers. I have to get that out. I'm just doing as I'm told here. I know you do. And then the reason was someone else who looked quizzically at us. I, I, well, and the guy was actually a radio um, program. And, and the guy went, oh, oh you're right, because my 14-year-old daughter loves going there. Because vegetarian. Most 14-year-old daughters apparently are vegetarian at some point. Um, and cause, okay. Because we love, <laughs> I don't know. But we love vegetables, don't we? Yes, that means we can cook them, doesn't it? So if you're a vegetarian, you're going, can we go to St. John? Because they really do care about their vegetables rather than being a minority sport. So, um, you know, we, we, we enjoy everything, all produce.
One of the things- And we cook fish, I must say that as well. Fish every day. I know you do. Fish. And I think that's a really good point because there's a perception versus reality of what is done at St. John. Yeah. And and I think there's there's something to be said for what people in their mind think maybe what the staples every day are. But every time I've gone there, there's been such a broad mix on the menu of wonderful options, whether it is those Brussels sprout leaves, and I'm not talking little Brussels sprouts that you pick all the leaves off of. They're a special leaf that comes after the harvest of the Brussels sprouts, these big leaves form and they're harvested. Unfortunately, we don't harvest them in the States because I don't know why. Um, but those just simply done with a little butter or um, I've had incredible fish dishes there. I've had game birds. I've had, you can have a, a bit of offal or not. And I think that's what's really special. And I think in the title of one of the books, it was a proper, proper British cooking. And I think that is really as relevant as it can be because the best descriptor ever of what the restaurant is because it's embracing all those wonderful things that are part of British cuisine. Also, also they, they, they often dance together on the plate because when the grouse come, Fergus, what happens? Smoke talks in season. So it's... Um, Fate with his fickle finger. That's that's awesome. And it's uh, uh, the, the the wine. When we um, obviously in our loneliness we used to drink good Burgundy. <laughs> but in those days, and probably same in New York and and, and um, most of the big cities, there would be big importers, and they would run. They'd kind of run the business of, of wine and importing. Um, so basically, you could only have what they gave you which is the same that happens across a lot of food chains, particularly for restaurants. So for us to talk to farmers was natural. You know, then, then they would seek you out because they were trying to find a different place, a different way of working. So then it became, again, this virtual, this virtuous circle, um, which means they could find something. And one I said to folks, I'm just going to try these couple of wines, which basically are, are each say, entry level wines, I guess. Um, and I just said to Fergus, actually, I have to be honest, I think they're shit. And it just seemed we could do better. And in those days, you'd have lots of, of uh, vineyards, etc. And it, it's France because it's our neighbours. And it makes common sense. It makes common sense a lot of other ways. I mean, if you're drinking something from Burgundy and work way through Pinot, sometimes it's easy to stay on that path rather than. An international wine list seems to be okay. But if you go into a hotel that has an international menu, you go, that's just, that's not, that has two pasta, one fish and chip, steak, this summer. That we look at we look down on that, but also international wine at times lack focus. You win a prize for the length of it. Which, rather than which is yeah. wine is really wine is yeah. you start to you start to warm up and think about kinds of wine you want. Suddenly it's chilly or hungry. Um, and so um, yeah, but the, the rigor of the we have an A4 piece of paper, so to to do that list is far more difficult than you know just uh, just listing loads of stuff. 
Well, I don't, we don't kind of get that big book. I mean, some people specialise in it, but it actually is in terms of almost like a lack of care. It's like taking a trolley in the supermarket and filling it with everything. When in fact, to, to, to try to do things purposefully, and then through the 25 years, we're now the second, third generation of some of our winemakers, we have great relationships. The first time they managed to, was, if I knocked on the door, we had to work out, because we have a wine business, far more difficult, as anyone will tell you, moving stuff around the planet, particularly with Mr. Trump and everything else that's going on, let alone um, what's happening in Europe. And those people are now friends. They now sell their wines in, in the UK. Um, it's, it's, it was inevitable at some point we'd be standing in a, a medieval village looking at a derelict medieval building with Benjamin. And Benjamin's looking at me and I'm going, this is, we're not doing this. We are not doing this over. Oh, okay, then fine. Idiots. Um, that was kind of an answer when we made claret with Seashell for over 20 years. Um, and we saw lots of, I think people, again, we have those relationships. Um, it's good for us collectively, for people in St. John, they can go if they want to work the vintage. I would watch people working the vintage, having my lunch personally, because it's hard work. Um, they seem to us to be a natural engagement with, with what is half your business and the suppliers and the wines. We like to think the wines are pretty good. Um, and when they all come once a year in January, um, we have a, a Vignon's lunch and um, they have a jolly time. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, these are good things. And it's, it's very rare. It takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of commitment. It's kind of daft at some point, um, but you get there in the end. And again, for, you know, some that, is, you, know, I, you know, I mean, one thing about sommeliers, um, they may or may not be necessary. He says carefully, I got myself an argument, I walk out the door. Um, <laughs> um, it's all good, you're allowed yeah. to say what you want, it's your yeah. podcast. Yeah, so, <laughs> but, but they enjoyed our folk, we, we expect everyone of our, for our sentinels of joy to know what they're talking about. So when they talk you through that menu, and you change your mind, they, they know how to give you. So not the, the more words you have on a menu, what you, you've now just paid five pounds for a piece of sorrel or something. It's, it's clatter. And that dialogue is, is your d'oeuvre. And you're changing, and regulars will look up and go, and there's always a special, or um, so they've just, we've just got two puffballs, brilliant. And then we put on the train and come from one of our farmers or something. And the same with wine. Um, you, if they want to go, our Fetter Van we have in the village every year, so it's always the crew goes down, so people understand what we, um, we do. This year one of the bakers is going to come down, because they bakers, they, they, they're in the bakery. Get out of that bakery, come and see what we do. Um, in a way, everywhere we go, but there's, there's a story and everyone knows why it's. Well, the yeah. story is, is part of what makes people feel comfortable when they walk in the door. It's a, it's, you've created a moment of conviviality with the way the food is presented and served. And for instance, the dinner we had last night, it was a shared convivial meal, which elicits conversation, which I think is really a missed part of having a meal nowadays. And I think um, there's always the, you know, moments when, you know, you're serving, like you, you gave me the official mother role last night and said I had to serve pie. And, you know, I knew exactly that it was coming and I knew what you meant, but a lot of people don't know what that means. Yeah. 
And I think that that's a really important thing for me as a kid. Sundays were at grandma's house and she would then serve the convivial meal, henceforth what your point was. And, and I get that. And I think it's a really powerful message that the restaurant has always given. It's about your family and it's about the people you're with because your family's not just family members, it's the people you're with on a regular basis. Yeah, I, 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 I suppose what the folks are his favorite meal is, I know his answer is going to be, but it's to eat in a hurry is not a good thing. See, if you're going to take some time out to sit down and have your lunch, then you should enjoy your lunch. Um, and you should take that in the same way for people who want to go jogging, ride their bicycle, that all the things that you do that take yoga. you out of your work, you know, and lunch is a part of that. Yoga, right? Yoga, yeah, I do yoga, yeah. Yeah, he does yoga. Yes, I do yoga, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can touch his toes. Yeah, I can, I can touch my toes. <laughs> and the look on Fergus' face when I told him that, by surprise, they started chanting this morning at yoga class, he thought he'd lost me. <laughs> He's gonna like, come back, come back, get another bottle. Oh, oh miss me. Oh. <laughs> I should lead them all in ritual chanting now. <laughs> okay, so there's there's a few things that I think folks in the States don't know that are a very seasonal thing in the UK that I've had at the restaurant. So Grey Squirrel. Yeah. We don't we haven't done it for a while. And someone actually asked why and then someone says, Can we got some great rabbits? Because that's how you make the decision. Yeah, and then gold's eggs are the other one. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's well, we love the gold's eggs. It's um, yeah, it's joy when lunch and gold's eggs glide. It's a it's a it's a tiny <laughs> moment. They're, they're relatively rare now because people have you know go. Oh, they're doing gold's eggs now. Now, of course, lots of people have gold's eggs. They're immensely expensive. You can't, they're illegal in the United States. Yeah, these come from a small black pack gold that are taken from usual on um, uh, estuary, estuary Island land. Father and, and son. Yeah. And they, they take the egg and then they, 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 the, the seagull lays the next eggs again. So it's strictly controlled. And now, I mean, and we actually were guilty of eating most of them. No, we're not. Um, but it's a, it's a sort of, are you having lunch today? No, I've got to finish off this. There's gold's eggs. I'm having lunch, thank you. And they're, um, again, that's all as the years, the season, etc., etc. Someone says they're seasonal. I go, oh, you change the menu four times a year. It's not, it's far more immediate than that. And gold's eggs is a part of it. And they're often a joy. They are truly delicious and sustainable. There you go. That's quite cool, you see. Thinking about the pies. Yeah. It's a pie story, Devonshire pie, which is um, pie, as potato, and often, but often, as you cook the tribe and sort of cook, but it's a bit often. Juicy pie, which um, and actually, Jonathan, what goes in? What, what, what are all the ingredients in um, Mr. Bentham's pie? Trite, spleen, lamb, honeycomb, tripe, 
spleen, lungs, um, top it with layered with a layer of potatoes, uh, some onions in there, sage, some of the more traditional British spices like mace, and then. Uh, but the thing that makes it all work, and uh, like Fergus said about the the grouse and the sprout tops arriving at the same time, some sort of culinary symmetry going on. It also happens that we make this pie in gooseberry season, so you just dot the pie with a few gooseberries, and it sounds awful, but they emit some sort of acidic goodness, and it's the gooseberries that make the pie work. So you put the gooseberries in? Yeah. And it sounds, it sounds bizarre, it shouldn't work, but it only works with them. You, without the without the gooseberries, that pie just falls flat. So a person. He's, he's, he, I think he's still got his hat on, I think. It's quite weird. What? They were the body world or whatever that horrible thing is called. No, this is real. That. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. Uh, yeah, it is kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. He left the world to He thought that he should gift himself to the nation. <laughs> Ooh, that's nasty. I don't want to be pickled. I've already made my decision of what's happening when I'm done. It's a very fun one. Well, my wife doesn't know if it's legal, but we're going to do it anyways. Okay, all right. So, of all the, you know, I mean, I, I have these super fond memories of dishes and moments, whether it be a bread and wine or... You know, you and I sitting down, Fergus having lunch, or, you know, Trevor having me taste a, a new wine when I was in town, when I was still partaking. Is there a moment for each of you that is, like, that aha moment of sitting down and having a meal? Like, something that just... And, and for a lot of people, that's a really hard thing to say. That's like saying to someone, you've got nine kids. Which one's your favorite? Oh, <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to pick a favorite kid or a favorite moment. But is there something, is there a moment where you guys were, where you sat there and had a, and had an 11 and said, this feels right and it's working. And it's like that moment, that aha moment where everything all the goals and dreams, you had that moment and it said, yeah, it really is what we wanted. It really is being what we want it to be. Because being able to stop and enjoy that moment is one of the hardest parts of our of our business because we're forever moving and going to keep things and our guests happy. Have you ever taken that time? I think in the way that the 
the kitchen is always moving, it's always a work in progress, it's a dynamic environment. You know, it's at the heart, just it's effectively two six burners and a salamander. And you get our chums that might have three stars, they're wondering, oh, you're kidding me. And I just told the joke, it's a small Italian chef that came up from the loo and went, play about, am I allowed to accent? Play about, play about. I found you at the kitchen. Well, I went, you found the beer cellar, you idiot. Threw a beer in good condition and a white wine's chilled. Because <laughs> you couldn't believe it. So the kitchen jumps and jumps on, on the bar. So you see the restaurant's quietly turning over. We don't force people off. We try to avoid that, changing covers and slot it. The bar was very full. And you can see the, the, these Welsh rabbits going, what are those things? They're Welsh rabbit. And we've, what we reckon has been twice the chef's work that one lady, you could take our Welsh rabbits end to end, they go around the world twice. And he's watching all this and we're chatting and having a nice and he's thinking, this, there's another kitchen. There is, no, there is no other kitchen. But I think in that same way of it always being, you, you can just sit there sometimes and the place is buzzing away or the noise at lunch or one evening you go, no, we didn't do too badly. You know, that's, I think that's, and that's something that happens now. Certainly. Yeah, we, we, we enjoy the rest of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Which yeah. is, um, is, is everything. Is lunch is, uh, is, it's, it's, Comparison to some which is full stop today. Lunch is potential of afternoon. Which who knows where lunch can lead? Yes. <laughs> How? I think here's here's one that I think you know, Fergus. You you have been lauded as the godfather of modern offal cookery and the reintroduction of educating people how to work with a whole animal and how to treat the whole animal properly. And we, I mean, you, you have affected me and so many, I mean, so many other chefs all over the globe. Well, I remember a young, young Christian. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being scared. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember being scared out, scared out of my mind the first time you guys came and sat down and had dinner with Jim Dodge yeah. and Harold McGee at Encanto. And that was yeah, many, right. many, many years I ago. Harold McGee's story. Yeah, so, go ahead. How many comes comes to the restaurant, and we sit opposite. That's what table it was. And it's Harold looking at us, and he's thinking, "Well, these two, we're looking at thinking, it's Harold McGee. Oh shit!" <laughs> and, and he'd never eaten a grouse, you know, because of the rules. And so, and he, there was a there was uh, there was a Rome wine. We just started to like a gentle texture. So he had his grouse, and you know how was sort of. It's kind of almost like a calm demeanor, but his eyes speak. And he and his eyes are going, mm -hmm. <laughs> to drink wine. And you can see him going, and we knew he was having a good time. And for us, we're going, that's all we're doing, he's having a good time. This is really good. And it was, it was, it was funny because his, his face, his eyes were emoting 
the experience of having that first grouse, and the grouse is pretty much the king of game birds. Everyone, oh, think, yeah. So, and that undercarriage and the, and the, all that depth of yeah, mm, mm, hungry and a bread sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the bread sauce. The yeah. first time I ever had bread sauce was at the restaurant. I'll never yeah. forget that. It was so simple, but yet it made everything else. It made the bird perfect. And so neatly British. Yeah. It's funny, we, we were asked, there's always, it's all a good thing, but uh, guys make this, they make bread, beer from bread. Well, in fact, what they do is they make beer and then they throw waste bread in it. So it would be really good if, if St. John, we could have your waste bread. And I said, we, we don't have any waste bread. We have a bakery. I said, yeah, we don't waste bread. And I suppose you don't, do you? No. <laughs> and it's quite, and it's, it's quite strange how, um, and also, and let's not talk about that. Yeah. It's quite, and then it's so many like dawns on going, oh no, you don't, because we can use it for bread crumbs, we use it for this, we use it for that. Um, yeah, we just don't have waste. Oh, why is it when these ladies yeah. tell me yeah. waste bread? Yeah. So to a word. Yeah. And you know that thing about industrial bread, and surely wouldn't be it. You know we don't regard that as bread, and good bread lasts five days, six days, and you never waste it. So every day you go into the supermarket and buy that one that goes green, or just you throw it. So good bread, well, they cost more because it involves hands. Then we've been approached by, if like chains of supermarkets or restaurants or whatever, to, we can take your bread. And then someone's going, we can make your bread for you. I mean, we sell it next. We use our hands, mate. So what does that mean? It said, we use our hands. And you're not going to use your hands. And the art of, again, for a baker to, to do that, to be trusted and understanding. And he knows when the weather changes and the walls in our row out in the winter get colder. But it takes a few weeks for that to happen. So with all the, the rising of the bread, it, it, the, the dough changes. And that kind of showing uh, it matters because you're improving the, the life of people around you, of artisans and skills and people eat better bread. So I mean, it just makes sense with good ingredients. I shouldn't talk about bread, I guess, all, all kinds of trouble. I just wish people wouldn't eat crap bread. There is no need. No, there isn't any need. It costs, them, it costs them more to eat crap bread in many ways than it does to actually go to your, you know, your little baker. You know, we're trying to rebuild the, it's the same here, we're trying to rebuild the high street. And the very people that pontificate about that don't, conduct their, their lives in, in a way that should. For us with small farmers, just the, the politics, and when you talk about Brexit, in a way we, what we worry about is in certain areas um, where there was a, a shift for people to leave, and it's, if that's what you think, then you can vote that way, that's fine. In fact, those people that you worry that in their villages, they won't be supporting the local farmer, they in fact be at the supermarket buying the budget stuff. So in fact, you be careful what you wish for and trying to protect um, the, the individual, and which obviously means there's no air miles in Chesapeake, and it, it means there's a farm that has animals on it, it means that that means that that, and then the, how we, we build up a community. It's kind of, you know, from my point of view, is, is that at least what the way we conduct ourselves, and I think it works for like our staff and the team when they come, is that they like to work somewhere that, because I, I can get angry about, um, and I think that's quite a good thing for for people to come and in St. John if we still care.
without getting too lost uh, into it. We're not evangelical, but we are quietly, but it's by what we do. You won't hear us speaking out particularly often about various issues. Um, it's by what we do, and that's quite important, and who we work with. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, we, as Jonathan and I said, we're going to have a T-shirt made for you, one for Brexit and one for natural wines. <laughs> and now we know we're going to have a T-shirt made for you. Ask me about bread. <laughs> bread is a metaphor for many things. <laughs> so I, I want to talk a little bit about dinner last night. You know, you've just released a new book, right? Um, and if people want to get that book, they can they can order it online. They can order directly through you guys. Through, I love that. You know, okay. So through the website. Um, which I think is, you know, this is book number three, correct? Four. The technically it's four. Firstly, firstly, offers is salad set, as still much of Mr. Tony said. Um, and this is the book of St. John, which is the both of us. Um, and not because we've been at it for 25 years, because that would be, we would, I'm nervous about that. It's good. So I say, it's got a hundred new recipes. I've just got to get that one in. Hundred, it's got a hundred new recipes. New recipes. Okay. Kitty, Kitty, he said it. He said it. You don't have to paddle him later. So, and to talk about the dinner last night that we had, that was really, really special because one, it was a shared supper that we shared with a group, um, which is a big part of convivial dining. Which you know, I've I've been a, a firm believer in for years and sharing and conversation. Um, you know, quail with aioli is a really beautiful pass bite. Um, and then, you know, the, of course, bone marrow with parsley salad and, and pickled shallots and toast, uh, which is again, beautiful bread. Um, but the salad, the salad that saved my life. I mean, it's the, the name itself is, is makes people wonder, um, but also it's so simply delicious that you can't stop once you start. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people are curious why the name, the salad that saved my life. Well, um, I'm alive now, so it certainly worked. Um, but it was, um, my, my sister was working in Barcelona. I went to join for a weekend. And there's, there's First lunch, in four lunches. There's a four restaurants which were <coughs> shutting for the weekend. So we had four lunches, and a lot of raw was drunk, which is an only of um, sort of indeterminate points. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, so. We can continue in this vein. And um, Sunday morning I woke up. I had the raw sweats. You um, don't want to get those. No. <laughs> and um, I, I advised you to say there was a restaurant to the And it was one of the oldest restaurants. So I sat outside and said to Barcelona, It's saved my life. It, I, I lived. Yeah. Did you what you needed? <clears throat> you you lived you to tell another story. Yeah. yeah. It's a. Uh, it's um. Yeah. It, 
same life. Yeah. And it's it, a, a, a bit, one say that people shouldn't confuse simplicity with ease. Simple's harder. Yeah, it's always harder because, and this is what we were talking about the other day when we were having dinner the other night at Le Pigeon is, you know, there's less to hide behind. Yeah. You can't hide your mistakes with four other things. It's, it's like, this is a perfect lettuce. The tomato was roasted properly. The salted anchovies were the right kind and they were rinsed just enough. Uh, or were they packed in oil? You know, which is how are you going to change it accordingly? And it's really about being able to work with what you have in the, in the, the best possible way to accentuate the flavors of what they are. And I think the more there is on the plate, the more there is to hide behind. Yes, I'm not going to talk about bread again. But yes, I am, because it's four ingredients, effectively. Same as beer. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I mean, the spectrum is... The spectrum on bread is big, yes. Yeah. So... You can hide it by putting pockets inside it. You go, no, it's not rubbish bread. So, wow. He's on the roll. Kitty's going to get him later. So, and then a pie. Now, and this I said last night at dinner, a pie in the UK is very different than what people deem as a pie in the States. So you have a savory pie, which is a suet crust, which is, you know, traditional kidney fat or internal muscle beef fat uh, around that's the fat that surrounds the kidneys known as suet. And you make a pie crust, which is suet, salt, flour, ice water, simple. And the filling of the pie is brothy, unlike what a lot of people are used to in the States, which is like a chicken pot pie, which has a root base in it, which is going to make it thick. So to explain people a pie, you know, and you, you said it last night at dinner, there is no French term for a pie. That's right, there's no word for pie in French. But in Glasgow, I know you need for pie. There's a photograph of the pie gimp. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll make sure that everybody checks out. Do you know what page it's on, Jonathan? You should memorize this. <laughs> you made the pie. I think there's I think there's so many, you know, in the way that the previous books were written, you know, I thought it was really, really quite amazing, you know, when somebody said to me, Do you understand what he means by this in the recipe? And it was, let me let me see if I get this correct. Uh 
You want to have enough broth so it looks like the gator's back is sticking out of the water. The alligator's in the swamp. The alligator's in the swamp thing. And for me, it's braised, three-quarter liquid, you know, just three-quarter submerged, you know, top. And just the way that you wrote that made it fun. You took the edge off for a lot of people. And I think that was really a sharp way of not only wit and your personality coming through, you took the edge off the fear for a lot of folks who didn't understand the basic cooking. And I think it was a very powerful way to, to really explain things to a lot of folks that weren't comfortable in the kitchen. Um, um, it's hopefully the, the first books. Um, Which is very true because I've been on the reciprocating ends of that over dinners that we've cooked together and I get it. Yeah. And I think when you really understand cooking, it makes sense. Yeah, you know, folks, his hands coming. Like, yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you guys have a lunch date. You have to get some lunch, but I do this very quick thing. Uh, it's very straightforward. Uh, it's a, uh, it's like kind of like a quick fire on. Don't worry, there's no, there's no wrong answer, Trevor. Okay. But I'm sure you'll find one wrong answer for yourself to make yourself feel better. So, the hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Red or white wine? Red wine. Red. Coffee or tea? See your English, so I've got you both. <laughs> I, I, obviously, I, I just drink green tea now and I, as I do my chanting. Um, espresso. Espresso. Chocolate or fruit? Chocolate. I, I, I'm just going to say fruit, otherwise I'll be in such trouble back at the, the ashram. <laughs> Chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate, come on. <laughs> Beef or pork? Pork. Yeah. So many things it'll be. Sashimi or nigiri? Oh, God. I'm looking for this. Nigiri. Okay, I got that one. Sea urchin or caviar? 
nice tricky. <laughs> See, there's no wrong, there's no wrong answer. He said both. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Oh, we're getting ready for lunch, aren't we? Yes. This is good. This is good, right? I knew you would like this one. This is this discussion of the menu. Yeah. Uh, I'm celebrating. Okay. Lobster or crawfish? Well, what do you call crawfish? You know, the little ones. Yeah. I'd probably the crawfish, that's... I don't know. We've only seen all day, but... With a bit more snappy. All that. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Probably lobster. Well, if you're in the race, then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rinse. Gin or Fernet? Well, both. This, <laughs> both. This one is too much gin, then you need to find it. So, um, Depends on the moment. Yes, yes. yeah. Horses yes. for <laughs> No, that is illegal in, in the UK, so we've never had to answer that question. What? Would you? Would you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gin, just to change the subject. Okay, gin, gin is delicious. Yeah. I, lo- I love gin. I wish I could drink gin right yeah. now. I miss it. I do miss it. But that's okay. So, guilty pleasure. One guilty pleasure. It can be a kebab shop, it could be McDonald's, it can be whatever you want it to be. Can I ring you later? Can you ring me later? Yeah, but I want to work out what it is. Oh. You know you know what it is. <laughs> Pans and Station has a uh, Burger King next to where you look for trains. And um, sometimes she. Sometimes a bit hungover, the train down to my folks. And so I have a whopper. Um, and every if I have a whopper, two minutes after I've finished it, sometimes I'm just going to have your work. If it's come two minutes more, I have a good idea for the citizen. The question to go around the rapper with a whopper. It's it's just so uh, I know I don't have to stop two minutes before I finish on the hammer the way. It's I know someone's gonna come and say well I've been work. My family would say this that this was true. Uh, but it's a Heinz product and it's called Sandwich Spread. Like, if you're a student once, you want know, a Sandwich Spread? And it's not a So, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't buy it. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> sandwich Spread, I've had it for years, but yeah. It's like that. And then you saw those things you put on bread, but then you go a spoon and go, oh, it's going straight in. <laughs> That's it. I think you still watch Sandwich Spread, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure anything that you could, anything that's bad as it sounds, you can still buy. You can still buy Zima. You can still buy all the stuff you're not supposed to have anymore. Well, guys, thank you very much. I know you, uh, you have a busy schedule. I know you're off to LA uh, tomorrow for the next, uh, for the final leg of the book tour in the US. Yeah. And um, congratulations on 25 years 
on another great book and looking forward to many more years and a lot more fun in the future of hanging out. And uh, so do you want to say anything about upcoming Jonathan's transfer? No, not necessarily at this moment in time. Okay, there we go. See, so there's nothing <laughs> happening at this moment. Jonathan is going back to London as normal. Yeah. Well, let's just keep that pregnant, shall we? Yes, we shall. We shall. News to come. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. And uh, safe travels. Should we do it? You can do whatever you want. Yay.